Welcome to the Color and Chaos Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Jonah, and I'm recording this from Macomb, Michigan. So no matter how you're partaking in this, whether you're watching on video or you're listening to it on audio, no matter if this is your first time or you've been here for a while, I just want to say welcome. Here at Color and Chaos, my heart and my prayer for this ministry, for this time that we have together, is that no matter what we have going on in our lives, whether it be the good, the bad, Maybe we have uh, the, the heartaches or maybe we have the joys. And no matter what we have going on in our life, that we have a creator, savior, sustainer that cares and that is actively in, in, in pursuit of our hearts, no matter what we are going through. And when we can bring the chaoses of our life, when we go through chaoses or even when we have questions or, or, or worries or doubts or confusions, that when we can bring the chaoses to him, that he can produce such a color out of it when we stop trying to figure it out all on our own. And so Color and Chaos exists for those that are broken, for those that are questioning, those that are um, having something on their heart that is, uh, that, is, that is producing a heaviness. But also, if you are coming to this podcast today and, and you're, you're going through the best of times in your life, this podcast applies to you as well. Because each and every one of us will find chaos. Chaos will find us all. And it's not, sometimes it's not something that we do directly, but it's just that we live in a world full of chaos. And so this podcast is for you. I'm really excited about today's uh, today's episode, and it will be an honor for me that no matter what you may be going through in your life, again, if it's the best or the worst of things in your life, it will be an honor for me to pray for you and uh, and jump into today's episode, uh, no matter where you're at. And so, uh, before we do that, I just want to uh, encourage you if um, if you have not yet subscribed, please uh, subscribe. If you're on YouTube, if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe, and you can ring the bell to receive any notifications uh, whenever this podcast goes live. Uh, my intentions is for um, every Wednesday to have a new episode. And uh, traditionally, that's what we do. So um, in order for you not to miss an episode, you'll be able to receive uh, a notification each and every time we have an episode if you subscribe. And also, if you're on iTunes, please feel free to subscribe there and um, write a review um, or a rating. What that does is help expand the reach of this podcast to um, many other people that may have never, ever heard of this podcast. So anytime you rate or review on iTunes or in the Google Play Music Store, um, what that does is it tells iTunes that this is something that people are listening to. And when you do that, then iTunes will promote this um, outside the reach that I can do on my own. And so uh, thank you for doing that if you already have. And if you haven't, um, then uh, please feel free to do that. And uh, you can reach out if you have any questions how to do that. So I remember when I was a sophomore in college, I remember I um, worked at a summer camp. And at this summer camp, it was all summer. And I've talked about it before here on this podcast. Um, but at this camp, I remember before the kids got there, I tried out to be a lifeguard. And if anybody uh, listening or watching this has ever been lifeguard, then you know it's not just an easy thing. It's not just something that you just sign up for and you're like, yeah, I'll be a lifeguard. But there's actually things you have to do. The test for doing things at a lake and doing things at a pool are a little different. There's more hoops you have to jump through to be lake certified. And so um, that's what I was certifying for. And so I remember there's this one activity that we had to do where the instructor took this big weight and this weight he had, and we were all swimming out in the middle of this lake. And the activity was, is that he would take this weight and he would drop it. He would drop it in the middle of this lake and you had to go to the bottom and recover it. And so the reason why you had to get the weight 
was evidence basically that you can go to the bottom in case somebody drowned or 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 something happened you had to go to the bottom of the lake um just that you are physically able to go to the bottom of the lake if you have to um and so i remember in this uh in this exercise i was so just creeped out by that and i remember uh just watching the people kind of go down the line as it was their turn to go and do this activity and I just had so much anxiety um, that like, I had to do this. And so it finally gets to my turn. So the instructor was like, all right, Jonah, get, get over here. So I swim over there. And this is the time. And so he takes the weight and he drops it. And um, luckily, he didn't, he didn't like throw it in a random area. There was other activities where they threw the weights in uh, random areas and you had to go find it. Um, but this one wasn't. And so he just like, he lifted it up and he's like, all right, Jonah, you see it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I see it. And so he, he just took it and then he dropped it. And so I remember as soon as he did that, just that, that anxiety just kind of just swelling over me. And so there I go, I start to descend and I start to get myself to go down and go down, go down, go down. So I'm sinking down the bottom of this lake and I'm noticing as I'm going down, it's just getting creepier and creepier. So I'm going down and, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of looking with my eyes um, just so I can maybe see the weight and that would kind of like save me from this exercise. Um, but I'm going down and I remember I had my eyes open a little bit and the, the lake was so murky, it was hard to see anything. But you can still see a little bit because the light was kind of coming through. But the, but the deeper that you went, the less that the light reached the, the bottom of the lake. And not only that, but as you started going down and down, all of a sudden your ears are popping. Things are getting really, really cold. And my whole body is just like freezing at this point. And now this is the middle of the summer in South Carolina. So like everything was warm outside. So I'm just going down and down and down and things are getting cold and my ears are popping. And and I'm just kind of feeling with my legs and feeling with my arms. At this point, I close my eyes because there's no use of looking because this is pitch dark. And so I'm going down and, and I'm reaching with my feet and I'm just, I'm just like praying. I'm like, Lord, help me find this with my feet so I don't have to like stick my hand down there. But then all of a sudden I hit the bottom and I, I feel my, my legs hit the bottom of the lake. And if you've ever hit the bottom of a lake, if you've ever really been in a lake, this might have happened to you. At the bottom of a lake, it is just so murky. Have you ever, have you ever had, like felt that? It is so disgusting. It's just like this like slime. It's just it's just like all this sediment just down in the bottom of the lake. And I remember being so just like grossed out by it. I wanted nothing to do with that. It was like scum. It was just nasty. And and I'm feeling around with my legs and I'm not finding the weight. And so at this point, you're also working against your breath. So I'm trying to speed this process up because I'm starting to run out of breath. And so I'm looking with my legs and then, you know, I kind of take my, my hands and I'm reaching through this, this murk and this mud. It's just disgusting. And, you know, I'm terrified that there's some type of like, you know, like worms or something down here. You know, all the things you see in the movies, all of a sudden, you know, it becomes your like biggest fear in those moments. So I'm, I'm reaching and finally I find it. So I, I grab it with my feet and I have to grab it with my hand as well. So I reach down in the mud I, I pick up the weight and I kind of just like take it with my hands as I'm trying to also work against this weight to get back to the surface. 
So I finally get back up to the surface. And as I get back up, I take the weight and I give it back to the instructor. And I was just like, that's it. I'm done. And I wasn't done, you know, being a lifeguard or, or trying out. But I was done with that activity for sure. I did not like going down to the bottom of that just scum and nastiness. And I remember handing the weight to the uh, instructor. And on the weight was a little bit of that kind of like mud and slime. And I was just like so disgusted. And so I remember... I remember that 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 whole exercise so clearly. I'll never forget how just like undesirable the bottom of that lake was. There is no reason why I would want to go to the bottom of the lake. Unless, of course, you know, somebody was down there and I had to go get them. But even that wouldn't be something that I would want to do. And I had this moment this, this last week as I was reading the scripture. I've been going through the book of Matthew um, recently in my quiet time as I've been seeking the Lord and saying, all right, Lord, you know, I, I wanted to know more of who you are and who I am. And so I was reading Matthew 9, and there was a word that stuck out to me, and I'm reading in the NLT version, the New Living Translation. Um, it's more a, a thought-for-thought translation of the scripture. Um, some translations are more word-for-word. Um, so the King James, the ESV, the uh, NASV is um, thought or, or word for word. And then you have something like the NIV, which is more of kind of a mix, a hybrid between the word for word and the thought for thought. Um, because when the Bible was written, it was written in many different languages. So the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and Aramaic. And then you have the New Testament that was primarily written in Greek. And so when I was reading this, uh, this passage in Matthew 9, this is the first time I was reading it in the, in the NLT. Re- uh, usually when I read the scripture, I'm, I'm reading it in the ESV or the NIV, more word for word. And I got down to this part in Matthew 9 verse 11. And it says this, But when the Pharisees saw, saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? Why does your teacher eat with such scum? And as I was thinking about that word scum, it brought me back to that memory when I was there at the lake and the bottom of the lake. But as I was reading this passage, there's so much that stood out to me. And I was also thinking about the people that I know in my life that just want nothing to do with Jesus. That, that if anything, Jesus is like scum to them. They want nothing to do with them. It's like the equivalent of the bottom of the lake. I want nothing to do with the bottom of the lake. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't even want to feel it or, or reminisce about it. It's just something I just want to avoid. And a lot of people that, I, that I've met, they, they just want to avoid Jesus like this scum. But not only that, but I know that there's people that I meet as well, that if, if I'm not careful, I would want to avoid as well because I can easily look at them as if they are scum. And so I was thinking about these different these different areas of, of what scum can be, whether it be looking at Christ and saying, oh, like he's the equivalent of scum to me, or looking at other people and saying, okay, they're the equivalent of scum to me. I was just looking at this passage and I was just thinking of, okay, Jesus, how do you react? How do you react to those situations in those people, the scum situations and the, and the scum people, the, the, the people that are undesirable. What, what is your characteristic? Not, not what, what, what do I think about you? How, how I, how I vision you being in those situations or with those people, but what does your word say? And so it brought my attention to Matthew nine. And so what I want to do, I want to read Matthew nine with you. And maybe you've come uh, to this podcast today Maybe you've come to this podcast today because you're sub- you're subscribed and you, this is just the newest episode and you're just curious, okay, Jesus and the scum, 
Okay, what, what does this have to do with anything? Maybe you're just curious. Or maybe you've come to this podcast because you f- may feel like the scum. Right now, I would be arrogant to believe that there's not somebody who's listening or watching this that just feels like scum right now. That you just feel so undesirable. You feel so unloved. You feel so el- unwelcome. You feel so um, ostracized and alienated. You feel like what what I would imagine the bottom of that lake feeling. Just that nobody cares and 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 nobody nobody wants to be around you. Maybe that's how you're feeling. I know I felt that before in my life, and and I've I've felt that in in many different circumstances as well. There's been times and situations that I've that I've been in that I just have felt as if like I this nobody wanted me, nobody cared, right? So whether you come to this podcast just you know out of curiosity or maybe you've come because you feel like the scum, what I want to do is I, I want to read this passage and regardless if you feel like scum right now or that maybe there's times that you can look back and you're like, yeah, I felt like scum or down the road, maybe there, there'll be a time where you feel like that. I just want to read this and, and just talk about how does Jesus deal with the scum? How does Jesus deal with the scum and what does that have to do with us? And so I'm going to read Matthew uh, chapter 9. You can follow along if you if you like as well. Um, if you're driving, it might be really difficult to do that. But um, I'm going to be reading from the NLT. And so uh, feel free to follow along if possible. So this is what Matthew 9 says, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, That's blasphemy. Does he think that he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you have such evil thoughts in your heart? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen. And they praised God for giving humans such authority. Verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, Now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call those not who think that they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. For I have come not to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So in this passage, there's a lot going on, and and I want to dissect it as we we talk about how does Jesus view the scum. Because you heard it again right then in that passage that the Pharisees referred to these sinners as scum. Now, different translations of the Bible don't necessarily use the word scum, but they use the word sinners. And scum in this in this translation would be giving uh, giving away more of the 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 emphasis of what they were meaning by sinners, 
Um, Because it's one thing to say, hey, what are you doing eating with these sinners? And there's another thing to say, hey, what are you doing with these sinners? And just having a disgust around that whole idea of who they saw these people as. And so this translation takes that and it makes that word be able to to kind of come alive a little bit more for to understand for us to understand a little bit more of more the emphasis of what they were meaning by sinners. And so they they use the word scum and this word stood out to me. Scum, 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 scum. If 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 somebody called me scum, you know, get out of here you scum. If somebody called me scum, that would be a low blow. That would be a, a just an insult, just something that would that would hold weight. And so when I saw in this translation, it was it was using that as, as the translation for the for the the Greek word that was used for sinners. I, it caught my attention, and then it made me think. You know, okay, Jesus, how do you view the scum? Because we already know how the Pharisees, the religious the religious people, the the high and mighty people, the people who thought that they had all the answers and 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 thought that they 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 had what it takes. Um, and that they were the best of the best and everybody else was just low and, 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 and just basically scum to them. So we already know how, what they thought of as the scum. But what does Jesus think of the scum? When Jesus looks at my sin or your sin or our sin, when, when Jesus sees us and, and the times where we don't even like looking at ourselves or, or we don't like who we are and all the times that we feel disgusted or marginalized or alienated or, or times where, where we've, we've been ostracized, what does Jesus think of us then? Does Jesus' opinion change of us based on what other people think, what we think about ourselves, or even based on what we do? And so that's why I, I turn to this passage. And so going into this passage, we see that Jesus just got done healing healing a man that was possessed with demons in, in the couple of verses before this. So before Jesus climbed in the boat and went back to his town, the town where he was living and staying and, and doing community, right before that, he healed a man of demons. And so we saw that Jesus has the power to 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 look at a demon and to condemn it and say get out. And so we saw this man that was once alienated from from the community because of the demons that were in him. We saw how Jesus had the authority to cast out demons. But then that town told Jesus, "Look, okay, we don't know what you just did, but it freaks us out. So we want you to leave." So already we see that Jesus has already been ostracized away from where he was because the people did not understand him, right? So he climbs into a boat and he goes back to his own town. This is really important to, to look at this, the, the first verse, when it says that he goes back to his own town. So he's going back to a town of, of people that would know already who he was right? There wouldn't be any questions of who Jesus was. It wouldn't be like he was coming up to a, to a new town. This is a, a town of, a, and a community of people that already knew who Jesus was. So he goes back to his own town and some people brought to him a, a person that was paralyzed on a mat. So when you're paralyzed, you can't walk. Sometimes you can't even talk. And so they bring this man that is helpless to Jesus. Now, Jesus had a choice in this moment. Jesus either could have looked at this man that was helpless and pushed him away. Jesus could have looked at this person and just kind of been moved to apathy, right? That's how we sometimes are. If, if somebody gets brought to us that is just kind of maybe maybe a little nasty or, or a little just kind of outside of normal, sometimes we have a tendency as people to kind of like want to get away from that. But Jesus doesn't. Jesus embraces this man. And not only that, but Jesus goes directly to the heart of this man. 
and he speaks something so much bigger than just healing him of his of his of his being paralyzed and so he says this he says be encouraged my child so he gives this this personal just um invitation to this person not only just saying be be healed but he's saying look be encouraged my child he takes ownership of that person so he, here you have a man that that is, is helpless he can't move and then you have jesus say that okay be encouraged my child you are forgiven and the Pharisees are kind of confused by this. Not only just kind of, but they really are confused by this. So the Pharisee starts freaking out saying, wait, wait, wait a minute. You, what you just did, you can't forgive him of his sins. Only God can forgive him of their sins. And Jesus looks at them and he says, okay, what, what is easier for me to say? For me to say that his sins are forgiven or just get up and walk? What Jesus was pointing at was that no matter what Jesus did, that if he would have just healed the man, then people would have just walked away saying, oh, wow, you know, this, this man healed this guy. But they wouldn't have been point, pointed to the reality of who Jesus was. And so Jesus wasn't only saying to this man, your sins are forgiven, directly speaking to him. But he was saying, he was declaring to the people around him that, look, I have come not only to cast out demons as I did before, but I've come also to forgive sins. Not just to heal, because he's been healing up to this point. Jesus healing somebody isn't something new, but Jesus is making a declaration, not only to the Pharisees, not only to the people that are helpless, that, that are paralyzed, and not only to the people of the crowd that are watching and partaking in this, but he, he's declaring to them all saying, look, I forgive sins, that I have not just come to heal you, but I've come to forgive you of your sins and what, what separates you from a relationship with your creator, savior, and sustainer. And so he gets down to the heart of it, but the Pharisees have issues with that. And so it says that after Jesus talked to the Pharisees about what he just did, he also looks at the person and says, okay, stand up and walk. So not only does Jesus have the authority to forgive us of our sins, but he has the authority to, to, to align things within our body in order for us to be able to do things that we never could have done before. And so this man was, 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 was crippled. But Jesus, in a word, he said, stand up and walk. And he did. He said he jumped up. And then it goes directly from that to this next part. And this next part is really where I wanted to focus the majority of our time. And, and this, this, I feel, is so directly tied to the passage before for many reasons as we'll get into. And so after this happens, it says this in verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Now remember... Jesus is, is back in his town. So this is, this is a community that knows who Jesus is. Not only that, but more than likely that this Matthew, who is also named Levi, that his brother was already following Jesus. And so we know his brother was James. And so James is already following Jesus. So there is no way that Matthew did not already know about Christ. He was living in the community as Christ. He was watching as, as Christ did these crazy miracles and that he had this authority to, to forgive sins. And so here's Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. And now many of you may already know, but during this time, especially the tax collectors were considered the lowest of low, the scum, basically, that they were people who would not only take the taxes from the people to give to Rome, but they would also put a lot of extra fees on top of it that they just did in order for them to make money off the people. And, and legally, they had the right to do that, that the Roman government didn't care what the tax collectors did as long as the Roman government got their money. 
And so Matthew was scamming people, and he was the lowest of lows in this community, considered uh, especially among these Jews. These Jews would have not standed Matthew, and Matthew himself was a Jew. And so it says that he was sitting in his tax collector's booth, but then Jesus spoke to Matthew. So not only did Jesus take time to talk to the person that was paralyzed and didn't push him away because it was uncomfortable, not only that, not only did he did he cast out the demons from this man that was that was considered in the community before to be a wild threat against the people, that Jesus put himself directly in front of that demon and said, get out. Not only that, but now Jesus is going directly to this man that many people consider to be scum. And he says, follow me and be my disciple. Again, his brother is already following Jesus. So Matthew, more than likely, could have already been pondering in his heart about what it would be like to follow Jesus. Because his reaction kind of gives away that, that Matthew just went right after Christ. Because it says that after Jesus said this to him, it says this later on in verse 9. It says, so Matthew got up and followed him. So in the, in the book of Luke, it says that also, it adds a little note to this, that Matthew left everything, that he left it all. And so Matthew, there was nothing that could hold Matthew back when you look at this. There was nothing that Matthew was gaining. There was nothing that Matthew could gain down the road that could hold him back from Jesus. But when Jesus called him, Jesus was so desirable to Matthew, even though Matthew knew there's no doubt that Matthew knew that he was a sinner. I know Matthew, he had to be reminded day after day of, of, of just how much people hated him, right? If you, especially if you work public service, you get reminded day after day how, what people think about you. And so now he's reminded of what people think of him, not only that, but, but, but Jesus interacts with him differently. Jesus looks at Matthew and says, look, you are worthy enough to follow me. And I, I'm asking you, follow me, be my disciple. And it says that Matthew picks up and he leaves, he leaves. But also it's important to know that right before this is when Jesus healed the man that was paralyzed. So we would have known that Matthew was in contact with the, the crowd in the time when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven to that man. So when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, Matthew could have been in the earshot to hear that. And you wonder what Matthew was thinking. You wonder what Matthew was thinking. You wonder if Matthew, as he was sitting there, he was just wondering of just wondering of what the Lord may say to him. Would the Lord still say your sins are forgiven, Matthew? Or maybe is his sins a little worse off than the, than the person that he just healed? So you just wonder what's going on in this passage. So after this, it says that right after this, it says that Matthew was so excited to follow Jesus that he threw a party. That in verse 10, it says, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and, une uh, and, and other, other people that were just like Matthew, right? So we don't know really what's going on right here. Matthew could be throwing a good buy party. That's why he invited all of his, all of his um, tax collector friends. I'm saying, look, you know, now like I've been asked by Jesus to follow him. And so I'm not going to do this anymore. But, but come, let's celebrate. Let's just celebrate while Jesus is here. But it says that this was so important to Matthew that he threw a party. And so we're reading about Matthew in the book of Matthew. So Matthew is writing this about himself. And what's really interesting is that when you look at other passages in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
that talk about this that that Luke 5:29 leaves out or or adds something that Matthew left out here. And what Luke 5:29 says is that when Matthew threw this party, he threw a a a feast. He threw a great feast as as Luke puts it. So Matthew doesn't add that part. He just says he 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 just threw dinner. He had dinner. He invited Jesus over and many other people. And so, so there's something about what happened here that Matthew wasn't even focusing on what he did in order to get Jesus into his house. But Matthew was completely focused on what Jesus did to come to Matthew. And there's something so profound about this. And, and we already read it, but let's keep going. It says this, he invited other, other people to be with him. And I kind of want to pause real quick. Something that strikes me about Matthew inviting all of his tax collector friends is that he felt safe enough to have, to not really hide anything in his life to Jesus. That, that for one, Jesus called Matthew, said, hey, look, follow me. Then Matthew says, Jesus, will you come to my house? So Matthew isn't trying to play this game of hiding from Jesus things that Jesus wouldn't already know, right? Jesus already knows Matthew. He already knows he's a tax collector. He already knows what, what he has done, right? Because the passage right before said that Jesus knew what the Pharisees were thinking. So, so Jesus knew the thoughts of Matthew. He knew the thoughts of the people that were around him. And so Matthew wasn't hiding who he was. He wasn't even hiding his friends from Jesus. I know there's times where I meet people and they say, oh, well, what do you do? And meaning, you know, what is your vocation? I know sometimes I, I try not to share the fact that I'm a pastor because I don't want somebody to change how they act around me once they know that I'm a pastor. I want to know them for who they are. I don't want them to act like they're somebody that they're not just to please me or to uh, maybe live up to a standard that they have in their mind of, of what I'm looking for. So sometimes when I say, well, I'm a pastor, they sometimes will adjust their behavior. And I, I think maybe you may, may have seen this before. Um, and maybe you yourself have done this. Maybe you meet somebody that, that is a pastor or a minister or something, something that you hold to high regard and you're just like, ugh, you know, I got to kind of watch my words or I got to watch how I speak or how I talk or, or maybe I got to kind of hide some of my friends away from this person because I don't want, you know, this person that I think very highly of to think worse of me because of my friends or maybe because of my behavior or even because of, you know, what, what I, what I believe. And, but with this, Matthew didn't think like that. He invited everybody that he had to come over there. So here's these tax collectors that are just there with Jesus. And there's something so welcoming about Jesus. And it makes me think sometimes in our lives, we try to hide ourselves and what we may be going through or our questions or our fears or our doubts or even our sins. Sometimes we try to hide that from Jesus because we don't want him to think any less of us. The reality is, is that Jesus loves you no different than what you show him and what you don't. But he invites us to be honest before him. Why? Because he already knows us anyway. That, that it's Psalms 139, when you read Psalms 139, it, it, David's writing and he's talking about the fact that God knows his thoughts from afar that even before he was even before he was formed in his mother's womb that God knew him. And Matthew in this moment he wasn't hiding who he was from Jesus. And so all of a sudden you keep going and it says that the Pharisees are getting so just disgusted by this because again they see these people as scum. They see these people as scum. They're getting so disgusted by this. They say, "Why does your teacher eat with such scum?" Verse 12 it says, "When Jesus heard this, he said, 
right here is also something really important, that these, these Pharisees were being so rude and obnoxious and so loud that they were, they were talking about the people that were here at this home in such low regard that Jesus overheard them. Because it doesn't say that Jesus knew their thoughts and therefore Jesus replied. It says, no, Jesus heard them. So these people were talking loud enough for Jesus to hear them. Therefore, the people that were there would have heard it as well. Imagine being those people for a moment. You know, maybe maybe you've been in a situation like this. I know I have, especially especially when I think back at high school and times where, where people would uh, pick on me and everything and call me names. I remember that they were just so obnoxious with how they did it. I remember sometimes being at lunch and eating and somebody, you know, saying something and, and, and making fun of me so loud that people in the, in the lunch would be laughing. I remember moments like that. And I remember the embarrassment that I felt. And so right here, you have these tax collectors that, that are already kind of, you know, taking the step out to eat with this person that they high, they, they hold in high regard. But now they're being called just sinners and scum by these people that also they, they probably hold a high regard and that the community holds the high regard. But look at how Jesus responds. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now I want you to go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. The, what, what Jesus is doing right now, that especially since these, these are people that the community looks to as knowing the scripture, Jesus is looking at them and saying, look, you've missed it. Because Jesus is, is referring to Hosea 6.6. 6. Hosea 6.6, 6, where, where it says, where God tells Hosea, he says, look, I, 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 I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That look, you know, except for doing all these things to earn my, earn my love and to earn my, you know, earn this reconciled relationship. That is not about that. It's about what you do with the love that I've already given you, that he desires mercy, not sacrifices. So Jesus looks at these religious people and says, look, okay, you are acting all high and mighty, but you're missing the whole fact that what I'm doing is nothing new. This is what you should have been doing all along. And then he says, for I have come not to call those that think that they are righteous. Notice that he doesn't say that they are righteous. He doesn't look at the Pharisees and say, hey, yeah, yeah, in my eyes, you're righteous. But he's saying, no, 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 you're deceived. You're thinking that you are righteous. He didn't come just to call those that think they are righteous. Because if you think you're righteous, you're not really going to open up your eyes to what he says next. But, but I've come to call those who know that they are sinners. Jesus looked at the scum not as people that were less than, but he looked at people with the opportunity to experience him. Why? Because they did not think of themselves as somebody that they're not. The Pharisees were closed off to Jesus. If anything, they pushed Jesus away because they thought that they were okay. Where Jesus is in the presence of all these people that the, the, the world thinks of as scum, but he's around them. He's saying, no, no, these are people. These are people that know, that know that they need me that know that they're nothing apart from me. They already recognize that they're scum. You calling them scum isn't doing nothing. They recognize they're scum, but they're coming to me because they know that when, you, that when scum comes in the presence of their savior, then the identities change and that who they were is not who they become. In reality, it wasn't these people, it wasn't the tax collectors that were missing it. It was the Pharisees.
It wasn't the people that, that everybody tried to avoid, you know, these tax collectors, that everybody judged and everybody pushed away. It wasn't these people that were the problem. It was the hearts of the Pharisees. They were failing to realize that God has given them so much mercy, so much mercy, so much mercy, love, and forgiveness that on their own, they're nothing but scum as well. But when you know that you've been given mercy, you give mercy back. Maybe right now you're, you're listening to this or watching this and you're saying, look, I, I know I've done things in my past where I feel scummy. I feel, I, I don't know how God can love me. What I would say is that right here in this passage, we see that, that Jesus welcomes those people. He doesn't push them away like the world does. There's nothing that you can do or that you have done that can push Jesus away. In reality, when you run away from God, when you run away from Christ, you're actually running to him because he's all around. He's all around you. He's actively in pursuit after your heart that there is no far away to our creator, savior, sustainer. He loves you so much that he went to the bottom of that lake. He went to that scum where nobody else would have went. And he lived a life that, that no one of us could live. Why? Because we're scum. We're scum. We're, we're, we, 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 we mess up and we do the things that we want to do. And we do not live up to the Lord's standard. We can't. And so what Jesus did, he lived a life that we couldn't live. But on the cross, the Bible says that he became a curse for us. That when he was on the cross, all of our sins got placed on him and he died as a sacrifice on our behalf so that we don't have to die as scum away from our creator, savior, and sustainer, but that we are reconciled with our creator, savior, and sustainer through the sacrifice and the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ. Jesus went to the bottom of the lake. He took all that mud and he defeated it once and for all. That that mud no longer has to be the label that we live our lives. We do not have to be a slave to the bottom of the lakes, to the scum of the lakes. We don't have to just live life pursuing after the scum or choosing the scum. But now we can look to, to, our, our, to our Savior, to the one that eats dinner with us and doesn't push us away. But he says, look, you're sick. Let me tell you what the cure is. The cure is me and I want you. I want you. I want you. When the world says, I don't want you, or they, or they give that lie saying that, no, 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 I want you, I want you, I want you. Yeah, come, come, come. But then they push you away once they're done using you. Some of you know how that feels. The world will, will use you and throw you away, but Christ says, no, come to me and I'll wash you and I'll make you new and you'll be mine. You'll be my child. Not only will he cast out the demons, but he'll forgive the sins and he'll also eat with you. He also do, will do life with you. That the Bible says that when we surrender to him, that his spirit dwells inside of us and that the spirit renews us day by day and enables us to live the life that we could not live apart from him, that we die to ourselves and we come alive in him. It's the moment that we realize that we all are scum where we can realize and turn to the one who is not and say, look, I'm yours. And Jesus gladly takes that. He takes it in. There's another passage right after this. That's really cool. But it says this, and in, in, in the same chapter, Matthew 9, verse 36, says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. 
Jesus looked at us at our lowest and he had compassion, love, grace, and mercy. He had compassion because they were confused. Do you feel confused today? In our confusion and in our chaos, we can turn to Christ who has compassion and that will lead us because he knows who we are apart from him. We're all just sheep that are confused and helpless apart from him. I thank him so much. I thank him so much that in June 2011, when I was just that sheep that was helpless, that he had compassion on me. Everything that I am now is because of Christ. It's not because of myself. On my own, I'm nothing but just the murkiness of that lake. But with Christ, I can stand and I can eat with him and I can do life with him. And he doesn't push me away. He's not ashamed of me and I'm not ashamed of him. My heart and my prayer today is that we will treat the least of these, treat the, the people that, 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 that we, we so often can push away, that we can treat them not like the Pharisees treated the tax collectors, but that we can treat them like Jesus treated them and say, no, I love you. Why? Because I've been loved. I have compassion. Why? Because I've been, I've been forgiven. That I have a creator, savior, sustainer that has bared with me when, when I wasn't getting it and I was confused. May I bear with you in your confusion. And I just want to pray for you. I want to, I want to pray for you that no matter where you're at in your community, you are a missionary. You are a missionary. The Lord has so much plans that he wants to do in and through you to a, a, a dark and, and just grimy, just broken world. And he wants to use you. He wants to use you to be able to be his hands, to be his feet, to be his mouth, to love those that are unloved and to, to forgive those that, are, that, that feel unforgiven. Not through your own power, but through him. I just want to pray for you and, and, and my hope and my prayer is that, that through this, that we will be challenged to love as Christ did and to see people as he sees them and, and to have a heart that prays, Lord, who am I? When you look at me, Lord, who am I? What do you see in me? And also, Lord, help me see in others what you see in them. Help me, help me see through what pushes me away from them what's undesirable about them, what's scummy about them. Help me see through that and instead, instead draw near to what draws what you would draw near to you. But let's pray. Lord God, just thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much. Lord, I am no different than Matthew or his friends. Lord, may I not be embarrassed of those around me, even when they're confused and even when they're dirty. Because, Lord, I know that I am so often confused and I'm so often dirty. But, Lord, I know that you are faithful. You are faithful in renewing me day by day. So, Lord, help me be faithful and be in your hands, be in your feet, be in your mouth to this community, Lord, that are confused and that are hurting, Lord. We need you. We're nothing without you, Lord. Thank you that you love the scum. Lord, may we love the scum as well. We need you, Jesus. In your name we pray and we surrender. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being a part of today. And, and again, my hope and my prayer is that no matter what you may be going through, no matter the, 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 even the people in, that are causing heartbreak in your life, that you'll be able to see them through eyes of compassion and of love and of mercy. And even to look at yourselves through the eyes of compassion, love, and mercy. Because we have a creator, savior, sustainer that looks at us through those eyes. May we surrender and be more like him 
through through a life surrendered to Him. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Please feel free to reach out if this is if, if there's anything in today's episode that has uh, spoken to you. But um, we're in this together. God bless you. I'll talk to you next week. See ya.